Well, I told you, AMI Audio is the place for podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. You can just do a search for AMI Audio Podcast and check out a plethora of content. We mentioned the other day when Mary was on the show, Kitchen, Kitchen Confession was out on Wednesday with its newest episode. Today, funny enough, and you'll see why in a moment, Into You uh, drops so you can check that out. Probably out there available to you already. And Friday, Low Vision Moments is made available to you. All these AMI-audio podcasts available to you, so uh, use your favorite podcatcher and enjoy. Kelly McDonald here with Rumi Amuthan. We're hosts of the program, and uh, speaking of Into You, we're joined by our friend from the UK, Fern Lullum for UK Disability Highlights, and today, wow, we're out of the world here, man. We are Gandhi. Uh, we're talking today about a disabled person from the UK whose ambitions, Fern, are literally out of this world. Yes, indeed. We are. Biggest fan of interview here, by the way. Just just say that. Um, I figured yes, as today's such. Segment. Fan club president. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're even bigger than Kelly. What a shame. But, hey, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> anyway, well, I was thinking more, thinking. hey, we have the fan club president right here. That's what we have on the show. Yes, it's very true. You are graced with her presence. Uh, so anyway, enough about me. Today's segment is all about John McFall. Um, and as you mentioned, Kelly, he is a very ambitious guy indeed. Being a Paralympian and a skilled medical professional just isn't quite enough for him. Wow. Okay. Uh, I feel like we're on a countdown to something pretty darn spectacular here. So be a star. <laughs> Tell us what you're going to launch into. Well, I'm over the moon that you've given me the space to talk about John today because the European Space Agency, or ESA, have just announced him as the world's first disabled astronaut. Wow. I mean, I didn't see that coming. So tell us more about <laughs> John McFall. This is incredible. Just packing in those puns today. Yeah, so no John kidding. was born in... <laughs> He was born in Surrey here in England, and he was a keen runner and hockey player from an early age, not like myself at all. Like many people, he acquired his disability as a young adult. So he wasn't born with it, but it, it came on as a young adult. So can we ask what happened? Yes, he was involved in a motorcycle accident when he was 12 years old, very sadly, and this resulted in the amputation of his right leg. But it's clear that this would not stop John from going on to live an amazing life. And based on what I've just said to you, that's obvious. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned in your introduction that he's a Paralympian. So he stayed involved mm -hmm. with sports, I'm assuming, after his accident. Yes. And once he was out of hospital, he was soon mountain biking and climbing again. There is no stopping this man. Wow. Good for him. And that's what we love to hear, that people are able to do um, what they really enjoy, find their ways to be able to do it. And it's a lot of work sometimes, uh, especially just to get yourself back on doing it. Tell us about his journey to becoming a Paralympian. Well, he started training as a sprinter and he took a bronze medal in his first international competition. And this was for a 200-meter race in 2005. 200-meter sprinting. I mean, that's it makes me tired just thinking about it. Um, but yeah. he achieved lots of other international sprinting success before finally making it to the 2008 Paralympics in Beijing. 
Oh, excellent. And how did things go in Beijing? Well, he took the bronze medal in the 100 meters. And the gold medal went to Earl Connor. Guess any guesses where Earl Connor is from? Mm. Mm. No, Canada. Somewhere quite close to you. Yeah, that's Canada. Canada. (laughs) Name's familiar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's not really a common name. Uh, We have a picture now of an ambitious. Quite talented man. Tell us about the giant leap. And it's quite a leap, like one of those ones on the moon where you bounce and you go for quite a ways. Uh, The giant leap (laughs) to becoming an astronaut now. Yes. So John says that although he has a great interest in science, he didn't think that he would pass the medical selection process as an amputee to actually be an astronaut. Right. And then what changed to make him go through with it anyway? Well, this is the first astronaut recruitment exercise run by the European Space Agency for around 13 years. So it seems that they're trying to achieve greater diversity now these days, which is great. Um, I think they're taking a broader view of the qualities needed to be an astronaut, so not just focusing so much on the physical side. Mm. Okay. And I've heard that. I've heard that as as things are that there, I guess now there may feel there's more potential in different abilities being a part of the programs uh, out there around the world, but some more than others. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, there's kind of a stereotype, I suppose, um, of an astronaut needing to have been in the Air Force and having that type of experience and that kind of capabilities. Um, But now there seems to be this growing appreciation of softer skills like being a good team player and being easy to get along with, you know, all of these things that we're so good at, all of us. Yes, of course. Well, being in a space capsule... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you all keep of running us. all those pluses, Ramya, right through your mind. Oh yeah, oh, being, right. do, oh yeah, sure. the the fitness. Oh yeah, the dehydrated uh, foods. Oh yeah, yeah, fun. Um, being in a space capsule with others for a very long period of time would make those qualities super important, though, for the soft. But being a team player and, and being easy to get along with if you're in a spaceship is uh, quite important. You know, John must have shown lots of qualities because there were around 22,000 applicants um, from budding astronauts of, you know, all different abilities from all different places. So, you know, competition was pretty tough. Well, and we're always talking for, you know, somebody who gets back up on the horse and continues to ride after the fall uh, and, and or huge changes in life. There's a certain aptitude, a certain personality. And um, it sounds like John may have a lot of that. So what will he actually be doing when he joins this new group of recruits? Well, it is important to say that he will now join a feasibility project. And this will be to investigate what needs to be done to get a disabled person into space. And would this include checking on what adjustments need to be made, have to be made, and how feasible they are? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, feasibility project. It's just, like you say, seeing how feasible it all is to actually work. And the sort of thing that I've heard mentioned is how quickly John could escape if there was an emergency on the launch pad. You know, and this would need to be done without 
obviously endangering himself or any fellow astronauts. So it, I guess it's planning for the worst case scenario. Would he, if he can do that, then everything else is, you know, he can handle it all. Okay. All right. So to be clear, there are still some tests that, you know, have to be made before we can, you know, be pretty secure in seeing John in space. Yeah, that's true. Um, but for me, I think what the space agency is doing is setting a really great example that I really hope others will follow. Agreed. And you mean in terms of inclusion here, Fern? Yeah, I mean, I think they what what they're doing here is they're acknowledging that disabled people do have skills that they need and they know that there may be barriers to overcome but they're willing to try and tackle those. And, you know, instead of just dismissing the idea of, of having the opportunity at all, they're saying, let's actually look into this and let's see how feasible it actually is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Fern, do you think that willingness to be inclusive is just still way too rare? Definitely. Sadly, I have to say, I do think so. I think, you know, in my opinion, High unemployment amongst disabled people is partly just down to some employers not considering what adjustments could be made so that people can gain the benefits of employing disabled people. It's it's not that hard, but some people just aren't open-minded enough to actually look into mm -hmm. it. And yet there's this organization that's you know, for so many of us, I think the <laughs> the first thing we would say if somebody said, hey, have you ever wanted to be an astronaut? Is like, yeah, right. You know, like, how could you imagine <laughs> yourself in that position as a person with a disability? And mm -hmm. now this organization is saying, well, let's turn that on its head and do what we can. And then so we're always so excited over, hey, they're open to it, the idea. You know, have you ever wanted to be yeah. an astronaut? No, but they're open to it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's amazing when you yeah. run into that. It's an actual possibility. Yeah, like we can start imagining what it would be like with people like this doing it, you know, taking the initiative. And you could say, Fern, that a lot lack of thought about um, adjustments and accommodations for disability, this affects other areas of our lives, like access to leisure facilities. Absolutely. I think that you know, if we can take a serious look at how possible it is to get disabled people into space, then it should be done much more often for earthly activities too, you know, I mean, exactly. they're taking it to the extreme. So for me, that's a very big message to come out of this story. And I really hope it doesn't get lost because I think you're completely right. When people actually start opening up these possibilities, us, you know, as disabled people, we start to think, oh, maybe I could do that. And it's, you yeah. know, so liberating. I also love the feel that somebody, and, and again, you can sit here and say, I wonder what the impetus was, why they want to even consider this, who put it on their radar, suggested it and said, hey, you know, this is a possibility. We could try this. You always get wondering that. So what has the European Space Agency have to say about recruiting, John? Well, they sound very excited by it, but also very honest about the fact that they do have lots to learn about what it will take to get someone with a physical disability into space. So that, you know, they're being very balanced. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. But as you say, they seem to understand the benefits of having John on their team. 
Mm, they do, absolutely. And, and they seem to appreciate that disabled people have experience of adapting to difficult environments. You know, it's something we do all the time without even thinking about it and can bring a very different point of view to the team. And those are very valuable qualities to have in an astronaut and often underrated, I think, in society in general. Well, we know from recent developments that there are plans to go back to the moon and beyond. Wouldn't that be great to be talking about John and other disabled people being a part of those teams? Oh, 100% it would. But like I say, let's not forget that diversity is important here on Earth too. And, uh, and by the way, I would like to know how you guys would fancy going on a mission to the moon. What do you think? Up for it? Yeah, I mean... I know I talked about the accommodations and stuff, and I'm going to be a little bit hypocritical here because I just I don't see myself going to the moon or getting in a spaceship. And Chris Hatfield, who I thought after reading his book, The Canadian Astronaut, I'd be enthralled with the idea. It actually had the opposite effect on me. I was like, this sounds way too difficult for my <laughs> Yeah, the long term yeah. stuff, too, because they're still to do more as more people get older yeah. and the research kind of makes you wonder. But what I find interesting is if I had to choose of uh, going three miles down in, in a submarine, a straight down or whatever in the ocean versus going into space for some reason, I think I'd rather go into space. But that's, and, and I, who mm. knows why? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that perception from those pictures Chris Hatfield described, which are so amazing that I couldn't see. So that's pretty well where I stand on that, Fern. How about you? Uh, well, I think it would really be something that I, I would have to plan it out. Plan it out. Yeah. Oh. See what I have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's better than just being Saturn, my, my bum down here, isn't it? So, um, uh, any yeah. other planet jokes we can make while we're here? Well, I'll tell you what, Fern, you know what? They started all this stuff <laughs> in the late uh, 50s, the 60s, really going around the moon. Things were far out. See you later. Oh, you always have to get in the last word, don't you? <laughs> That's wow. what the host gets to do, folks. Uh, <laughs> folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments. Next, Fern, uh, Fern Lennon will be with us, uh, is with us on the program every couple of weeks here on Kelly and Company with UK Disability Highlights. Coming up next, though, we'll chat with choreographer Tadiava Stepanova about an upcoming performance of The Nutcracker. Stay tuned.